Mr. Waller, I've offered this man a lot of money to do this, okay? Because it's worth it to me. However, I don't care if I end up penniless. I don't care if I have to spend my life savings. I will see to it that you end up in the hospital for one week, Mr. Waller. Do you understand me? <laughs> I need me a Japanese. Hello there, folks. Welcome to the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network. And this will be an episode of Desert Island Comps. Um, I'm your host, Sam, and joining me this week is going to be the man behind G- the current iteration of GWE, Stephen Graham. Stephen, how are you doing? I am good, and I'm very excited. Uh, ever since I've heard the first episode of the uh, Desert, Desert Island Comp, um, I've been enthralled, and I, I find it absolutely fascinating to listen to. So hopefully I'm as good a guest as you've had in the past because it, they have been awesome, each one of these. Um, going through your list, having pulled it up on my computer, um, I can say this is going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to have a, a good good old chat. Okay. Um, I'm excited to see kind of like what your journey was when you were putting together this thing. Um, since I know you had told me you had enjoyed the series – I want to do more of these. Um, yes, please. With you, uh, with GWE starting also, feels like a good time to, to do this more than ever. Yeah, I'm trying to do the podcast rounds to do some promotion right now. So this is a good opportunity as well. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I like to view these podcasts as also good resources for people. Um, while they're personal artifacts that we're going to talk about today, um, they still could be helpful when people are talking about figuring out matches they want to watch. Um, so first off, um, tell me a little bit about how you kind of, why you, how you got into wrestling, why why you enjoy wrestling. Very broad question. Very like, Hey, give me the cliff notes here though. Like what really got, got you in the door? Boy, um, Man, I was like seven or eight. Um, so it's hard to think about exactly what, you know, was happening, you know, 32 years ago uh, in my life. Um, but I, I bet you it was around the same time I got into hockey. So it was probably I was just trying to devour as much sports as possible. I, I probably even uh, was watching baseball at the time um, to try to, to get it all in. Uh, and um, wrestling was definitely the one that disappoints the most least. Like, um, you know, I've had 32 years of heartbreak with my Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, but wrestling, generally when you want someone to win and the story is exciting for them to win, they, they generally win. So that's, that's usually a pretty good thing. Uh, and it's definitely the, uh, the emotion, emotional side of wrestling that, uh, Usually, uh, as you'll see with a lot of these matches, uh, uh, that's the part that really, really gets me into it. Now, I do have one question before we get started. Um, one, thank you, lifelong fan. That's always helpful to know going into these things. I have people that have come into it later in life, it's always interesting to see how those lists differ. Um, 
you did this in chronological order. You presented this to me. Oh, yeah. I'm just a math nerd. And um, if it wasn't in chronological order and I had to watch this tape for the rest of my life, I would like kill myself. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I I thought that might be the case. I was curious. I was like, um, was this highly coincidental? Is this just laziness or is this pure? Hey, this is how I want to digest stuff. Um, it's OCD completely. No, I, I appreciate that. Okay. Um, well, that, Plus, I think it tells a good journey of, does. like, my, my like, fandom throughout my life and how it's changed and evolved. So I think that's kind of cool, too. Um, unfortunately, no evolve, so that we can't get a good joke there. But <laughs> um, let's get started, then. Our okay. First up, it's an angle. So, I hey... Let me actually reel it back real quick. Um, the structure of a Desert Island comp is you get 10 matches uh, and you get three angles, interviews, what have yous. Um, and then you have to compile that from there. Um, some podcasts are like, hey, three, do three matches or something like that. And I feel like that's too limiting. We're, we're oh, people wow. on the show are the wrestling fans. Um, you get, I want to give you something really substantial here um not big enough to like really make you feel great but enough to where you're like oh okay i can sink my teeth into but you we're starting out chronologically with an angle and it's gonna be the macho king's coronation taking place in portland maine uh september 30th 1989 on wof superstars why is this kind of that this first the first part essentially of your desert island comp well, um, I couldn't fit the Macho Man into a match, and I needed the Macho Man in here somewhere. And um, when I was trying to think of um, the thing about angles, and this I found really tricky, is most uh, great angles lead to a match that you want to watch, right? Like, um, so like all the great savage like promos and stuff, I'd have to include the match because I couldn't just watch a promo and be like, fuck, I, I want to watch that and then not be able to watch it. Like that would be torture. I'm already on a fucking island and I can't get off. And now I can't watch the match I want to watch. So I had to pick something that didn't lead directly to anything or uh, played off of things in the past. Um, and this savage coordination is just like super fun. Like you have Savage and Sherry just being like super regal. Uh, you have the genius like reading a proclamation. You have like the fucking uh, like you have the brain busters and Barry Windham and all these heels just there like applauding and like cheering on the Macho Man. And then it ends with like Ted DiBiase spending all his money to buy him a scepter. It's just this really great moment. Um that you don't really see every day where it's just like the heels celebrating another heel and and Jesse's like all like, you know, being like reverent about like how great the macho man is and how what a great moment (laughs) royalty is. It's just a really a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, That's, I like your thought process um, of how this fits in and how one, you have it, you're a fan of the Macho Man. Um, Got to get him in somehow. Um, 
But no, this is a fun one to kind of just start us off here. Um, let's keep. Let's did, you, keep. did you want my matches that I cut now? Yeah, let's do it. Before we get too far into it, tell me about the. You said you had. Did you say five matches that you just left off on the cutting room floor for this? Uh, yeah. Um, this was really hard to do. First of all, Sam, I, I think you know that, but it's really hard to narrow down to like ten matches and. When you think about it, it's not just 10 matches you're narrowing it down. You're narrowing it down to, like, you know, a, a group of wrestlers that you're only able to see. Um, like, they have to be on these matches or angles, or you can't see the wrestler ever again. Um, so, so so you had to cut some things, uh, and that was really hard. Uh, so I'll, I'll just briefly kind of go over them. Um, uh, first, and, and this is in chronological order again, just because... It's me. Yep. Um, <laughs> so first, the greatest match of all time, Hokuto versus Kandori from Dream Slam. Uh, it, it, it's the best match ever, but um, uh, there's a reason I had to put this other Hokuto match on there, so uh, we'll get to that later. Um, Onita versus Terry Funk from the uh, 1993 anniversary show of FMW, the No Ropes Exploding Barbed Wire Time Bomb Deathmatch is about as dramatic uh, a match as you can watch. And it's like a whole horror show and there's um, all this dramatic music and, and it's Terry Funk being wild. And, you know, that, that's just, that's that would be lovely to watch, but I just couldn't fit it in. Um, DDP versus Goldberg. Uh, I really wanted Goldberg on there and that matches rules so hard. And it's like this nice big fight feel, uh, but unfortunately just didn't make it. Um, a match I watched for the first time late last year, and I've watched like five times uh, since then, uh, Akira Hokuto versus Miko Satomura from Gaia, uh, 429-2001. Uh, just one of the best matches ever. It's brilliant. Um, but I have another uh, late Miko match on there, and I have another Hokuto match on there, so I couldn't really justify it. And uh, the last one was uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. versus L.A. Park from uh, TXT from 2013, the one where they, the flaming uh, T-shirt of Dr. Wagner Jr. and he's breaking bottles over each other's head and all that. That's a wild, crazy, amazing brawl. Uh, and uh, that, that would hurt. To yeah, I would say it's a shame that one didn't make the list. Um, it's it's brilliant if you haven't seen it. It's it's as wild a crazy brawl as you'll ever see in wrestling history. Yeah, everyone go watch that. Um, that said, I, I get why you had to leave some of those ones off on the floor, especially with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about going forward here. Um, I, you know, I always love the thought process. Um, that's the number one thing going through these things. <laughs> um, but let's let's go to the first match. Um, that you have the list. Um, it is from Survivor Series 1989. It is the Warriors of the Ultimate Warrior, Jim Neidhart, and the Rockers versus the Heenan family of Andre the Giant, Bobby Heenan, Arn Anderson, and Haku. Why did this match make your cop? Um, man, uh, I, I won't lie, nostalgia is a big part of it, um, obviously. Like this one, I remember watching this show the first time. It was 
my uh, grandparents' anniversary, and we had to go like super early while my parents like set up, and they they uh, this tape just came out and we got to watch it uh, while we were waiting. So that was the first time I ever watched it, uh, which was a, a cool memory to kind of bring back. But this match is like some of the best storytelling in, <laughs> in WWF history, really, um, where it's like the Heenan family is falling apart um, and it's falling apart so much that like right before the match, well, storyline wise, uh, Heenan tosses Tully out of the match and takes his place because he's got to bring you know, order to the Heenan family. <laughs> and, you know, the Warrior teaming with the Rockers and Nightheart is just a wild team where they're all kind of crazy. Uh, and the story of this is just so cool where, like, Andre gets knocked out right away. <laughs> so it's fucking, like, the whole time Gorilla is just like, ha, Heenan's nothing. And Jesse's like, well, Heenan's going to show you with his brain. And he's hiding on the apron while Arn and Haku is like the greatest tag team that ever happened, uh, just working over everyone. Uh, and, and obviously it gets to the point at the end where, you know, Heenan uh, thinks that, uh, you know, he, he's he's kind of won, but uh, Arn gets eliminated and then it's just Heenan and Warrior and Warrior just destroys him uh, with some uh, nice bumping. But like Heenan the whole time, just hiding out of the apron, getting sneak sneak attacks in. Uh, he even like pins Marty Jannetty. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's this match is a total hoot, uh, and also has the advantage of a bunch of uh, a bunch of people in it, and it's uh, you know it's it's close to thirty minutes, so that's an advantage. Whenever uh, you have a limited amount of matches to watch for the rest of your life, you get to cheat that way, um, and. I just have huge nostalgia, not not just for this match, but the old school Survivor Series, like the first uh, three or four are just like, you can put those out any time and they're enjoyable. And uh, I think this is the most enjoyable of all those of Survivor Series matches. I love these teams. <laughs> they're wild, eh? They're out there. Uh, I've never, I've not seen the match. I will be transparent. Oh, you, you need to watch but, it. It's so good. <laughs> but these teams do pique the interest that is for Dankshire. Um, no, yeah, I think crossing off, checking off the box of nostalgia. Um, it's going to be by far the earliest match on the list. Um, as well as you got to get a hoot onto the list. At least one. Oh, this is a hoot. This yeah. is a hoot. It's a long hoot, but it's a hoot. Um, when you have this many wrestlers, you're allowed to go long when you're talking about hoots. Um, amazing. I love it. I want to watch it. Um, I'm putting this on the list. Oh, man. Gorilla Jesse uh, just talking about Heenan and Gorilla's like saying, well, it's, you know, it's four against two because Heenan doesn't count. <laughs> and Jesse's like, no, you wait. Heenan's going to shock you. Like, he's going to outsmart the warrior. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just, he's going to get in there. It's. He's going to do it. And he's, like, there's even a point where like warriors out on the outside and like Keenan goes to the top rope. Like he's going to fucking jump off. Like he's the macho man. And then he just like, he cowers out and climbs down. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Yeah. I love that match and I can watch it anytime. I love it. Um, All right. That's first match up. Moving on to match number two. Uh, Boltecano and Aja Kong versus Kira Hokuto and Shinobu Kandori from uh, AJW's Queendom, uh, March 27th, 
four. Steven, why did this match make your comp? So I've been going through Joshi, Joshi chronologically uh, for the last couple of years, and um, it, it's become some of my favorite wrestling. Uh, Kira Hokuto is my number one greatest wrestler ever. Bull Nakano is number two. Um, and I've, I've heard a lot of stories about this match, and it plays off uh, you know, the greatest match ever, what I listed earlier, Hokuto Kidori. But the thing about this match is I've never seen it. But I, if I was trapped on a desert island and I knew I could never watch this match, that would be heartbreaking. So I put it on there because I know I'm going to get to it chronologically, but if I got, gets cut short, I'll, I'll still be able to watch it. So that, that's You need it. On there. I get yeah. it. I get it. It's one of those matches where, like, okay, I gotta, you got to put a back pocket one in there um, just in case. Um, all right. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot to go over on this one then, um, other than the just the idea of putting a match sight unseen onto a list like this. Risky risk, risky business, I'll admit. I've heard enough from people I trust to know I'll love it. Uh, but, yeah, I, if I could never watch this match, it would be horrible. And, and, fuck, it's so annoying because I know I, I'm, in, uh, I'm in early 93, so I'm like a, a year away. And I, I'm, I'm getting there. And I'm very excited to watch it. But it keeps coming up as a recommended match on my YouTube just to taunt me. It's so frustrating. Not fair. But I will get there one day and it will be glorious. And uh, if I can't get there chronologically, at least I'll get there while I'm trapped on an island. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on to your third match. It's going to be from uh, WCW's Fall Brawl 1994 War Games. It's Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, and the Nasty Boys versus the stud stable <laughs> of Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, and Colonel Robert Parker. Um, see why this made the list. Yeah, so you'll notice a trend of me doing multi-man matches. <laughs> Just, uh, I, I, think, I think it's a good way to cheat. Because uh, not only are they fun and good matches, but like you get so many people on there, and you get so much variety. So, uh, so that that's part of the reason I was looking for those, and I, I really wanted a war games, and um, this might be the most fun of the war games, because like you have fucking Dusty Rhodes teaming with the Nasty Boys, <laughs> like how insane is that um you have terry funk being a complete wild man you have art anderson in his normal uh you know war games performance um fuck like i think at one point like terry funk gets gonzo bomb between the friggin aprons and <laughs> like falls through uh between the two rings in the middle of it uh you have bunko buck who's being a wild man as well and, and rob parker being the chicken shit heel that gets his comeuppance at the end uh and also um I don't know if you allow the pre-match stuff. We'll allow uh, but, it. We'll allow it. Okay. So they generally show one of the better promos of all time where Dusty and Dustin uh, reunite. Or they show, like, Dusty Rhodes going into the Nasty Boys bar to recruit them, which are all, like, fucking <laughs> just amazing stuff. Um, and this match, uh, it's it's by far the best War Games without blood. Um, but... It, it's like so wild that you kind of think of it with blood, even though it doesn't have it. But like, 
it, it, it's kind of there in your head because it's just so insane. Some of the stuff, especially Terry Funk, who, who's just like eating scenery in this match. So just completely nuts. So trying to get at the funk, like at the roads, like that's his number one goal is to destroy the Rhodes family. And, and Dustin's an all time favorite of mine. And he, he's super great as a baby face. Um, yeah, I like that you view putting multiple wrestlers, ha- having so many wrestlers in a match is cheating. Uh, <laughs> I I don't agree, but uh, I like the I like the idea. Um, we're so sorry if I missed this, but where does this rank in the pantheon of war games for you? Um, to me, it's not the best war games. But it's my favorite war games. Okay. If that makes sense? No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, there's a lot of fun components here to enjoy um, that might not right, rise to the level of, of some others. But um, if you can get Bunkhouse Buck onto your, your comp, then I think you're doing all right. Yeah, and we're not talking – like it's still well over four stars. It's yeah. like it's still an all-time great match. Um, it, it's not um, – you know, the original war games is probably the best. Uh, and that's a lot more uh, violent. And this one's super violent too, but it's more like wild cartoony violence. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, I get it. It's, I get it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, um, I, I could watch this match for the rest of my life. Why not? All right. No, you're doing it. So get used to it. <laughs> um, let's get on to the fourth match here on your list. It is six nine ninety-five. Uh Kawada and Tawe versus Misawa and Kobashi. I why does this big match make the list? Okay. This is a match I haven't watched in a long time because I've over the last oh, basically since like 2016, I really haven't watched too much men's wrestling. Um but there was a point in time in my life uh where uh, I did watch that, and All Japan, um, you know, was kind of some elite shit, uh, and we all can agree with that. And um, this match, to me, always stood out as the most elite of the All Japan shit. Uh, and it's a super long match too, which is another way of cheating. Um, and uh, this one too, also unlike a lot of the big All Japan matches, like they're always filled with like. Uh, good drama, good story, like amazing moves and selling them, all that stuff. But this one's got a lot more of the emotion, um, more than a lot of All Japan matches that kind of seem a little more uh, stoic. Um, like yeah, Kabashi literally crying to try to protect Misawa um, uh, throughout the match as Misawa's leg gets destroyed. Uh, this is the one where I believe, if I remember correctly, and if it's not, I'm just going to tell myself it's true, that this is the first time Kawada has pinned uh, Masawa in a match, which is another emotional moment. And it's also got one of my all-time favorite spots in the history of wrestling where um, Kawada like runs the ropes, but instead of coming back off the ropes for a move against his opponent, he fucking big boots Masawa off the apron. <laughs> which is just fucking great. Um, and every time anyone else does that, like forever, I will always mark out. Uh, and this one, uh, this one's just, you know, a lot of people call it the greatest match ever. It's, it's, it's insane and great. And 
so many awesome stuff about it. And um, yeah, I don't know, six nine ninety five. Like it, everyone knows that match, right? So I don't know how much to say about it. Yeah, there isn't much to add. It's that match, um, just because it is. It might be cliche to put it on a on a comp like this, but it's cliche for a reason. Um, because it is one of those all time great. It it works if you watch it with within the context of the series. It works without it. Um, it works at for this sort of disc. Um, so yeah, I I don't think we have much much to add here, unless you want to say any farewell words. Oh man, uh, Tawe throwing some awesome joke slams um, is always a plus. Tawe number one. Yep, exactly. Um, next match up. It's to me this is one of those matches where it kind of tells us what kind of fan you are. Um, it is from WWF's Survivor Series 1996 from uh, Madison Square Garden. It is uh, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Why did this match make your list? Uh, before I uh, go into this match for like the hundredth time, um, I would I would like to uh, know um, what this says about me as a fan. Um, it just says something. I don't know exactly what that is, whether you pick Survivor Series or whether you pick WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, this is the better match. Okay, there you go. Uh, That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And also, this match, to me, um, has so much more going for it. Like, you know, the double turn is classic. WrestleMania's got, you know, it's a, uh, the, you got the double turn, you got this wild brawl, you got this moment where you make a superstar. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's classic, it's all-time great stuff. Uh, but this match is like, uh, it's like, let's say goodbye to the 70s and 80s as a style, and let's give one final long-lost love letter to that style. Uh, that's what this match feels like to me. Uh, it, it's it's uh, like 30 minutes. It's so well built. Uh, it's got its ups. It's got its downs. Um, it's got, you know, everything that Austin does, you know, comes back to haunt him as Brett, like, turns it around on him. Uh, you have also it's Brett re- Brett's return, and he's my favorite wrestler ever, and I'm Canadian. So there, there's, there's that aspect as well. But, like, I don't think, like, this match here would have fit in you know, um, in the seventies or the eighties. Um, but I don't think matches like this have happened since this feels like, like one last hurrah of this style. Uh, and, and it's gone and that's sad, but like, what a way to go out. I can get that. I can understand that. Um, I know Brett is your fave. Um, so yeah, I don't think I have much to add here other than I think it fits very squarely and nicely into your, your list here. Um, as we have about to eclipse the, the midpoint here, um, of your comp, um, which is nice because I know you you went chronologically, so this was not intended, but you have this almost evenly divided throughout having angles spliced in, which is always 
Some people just leave it to the end. But I like it. I like when it's like interjected here. Um, happy coincidence. Yeah. Happy coincidence. So next up, you have from the uh, March thirty first, nineteen ninety seven, Monday Night Raw, Bret Hart reuniting with his family. Why is this angle on your comp? Oh man, this is so fucking good. <laughs> like so, um, so. We have the double turn uh, at, at uh, WrestleMania, obviously, and um, and Brett just like for a couple weeks just goes on like uh, you know the these tirades about how the fans have fucked him over and how about America sucks and all that shit, um, and this whole time and also for like months leading up to this, um, Owen and Davey Boy, you know, they were tag champs, but they were kind of feuding, and. This uh, this is actually following a match between these two where uh, things finally broke down, like between the two, like they were grabbing weapons. They were going to destroy each other. And as Owen and Davey Boy are like grabbing steel chairs and trying to destroy each other for the first time, uh, Bret Hart saunters out and he like completely like stops them and then goes on and tells these stories about how. Uh, the America fans have forced them to fight each other and have like turned them against each other. And these fans don't care about them. They just want blood and they don't care about family. And then Brett tells these stories about how he used to help Owen, Owen out as children and to deal with bullies and about how Dave, like he helped Davy boy meet his wife and all these family connections. And this whole time Owen is like, like the biggest crying ever and it's it's like it's the absolute reverse of that uh of the dusty dustin uh like reunion because like this whole time it's a heel doing these emotional moments and like a heel getting his family back together and talking about how they love each other while like the crowd is booing and vincent man's like i don't know about the motives of this <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh, like owen gets a grammy for Whatever the acting, a Grammy. He sing, he sing <laughs> sure. a song. He should uh, an Emmy, I guess. He gets an yeah, Emmy for this. His fucking crying <laughs> and like just being overrun by emotion here is just so brilliant. Uh, and uh, yeah, them all just hugging and leaving together. And um, you know, I, I like the idea of the last I'll see uh, of the Hart family is them hugging and leaving together in tears. Like that, that's great. They had to get one more Bret Hart moment on the list. Yeah. And this one's like, if you haven't seen this, it's on YouTube. It's so good. Like just like emotional storytelling, but like, it's so cool because it, it's, it, it's a heel being like, like, you know, just telling the truth about how his family was torn apart uh, and how he wants them together. And like he's, he was there for them their whole life and he's sick of them fighting and he just wants to, you know, we love each other. Let's, you know, be together. Uh, and, 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 but the whole time, like the crowd's booing this. People hate it's, it. People hate togetherness. <laughs> they hate families in America. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. Uh, and this was like the absolute height of my like, fandom as a kid too and like um so so there is that i was i was like 16 and like um this is also like um like this feud uh 
like people in America might know it as like, oh, you know, in, in Canada, the hearts were the baby faces. Like this was like the height of Canadians being like, just fuck America. Like, fuck, they suck, <laughs> you know? And uh, like Brett uh, turning on America too, just uh, it coincided with that brilliantly too. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, this whole thing, like, uh, I wish I could just like make the whole comp just uh, the uh, the Heart Foundation versus America feud, um, but uh, I'll have to suffice with what I can get. It could have been just a Heart Family um, comp, but you chose differently. Yeah, variety, variety. Ugh. <laughs> um, let's move on to your next match. My double cheat. Your your double cheat. I'm not yeah. sure where the double cheat comes in. I can guess where it's the in... first cheat comes in. Okay. Um, I'll explain my double cheating. Okay. Uh, after, after you introduce this match, if you want to take a breath. Um, man, I'm going to make you list. This is from Mexico, Arena Mexico, April 18th, 1997. Uh, the 41st anniversary of celebrating the 41st anniversary of Arena Mexico from CMLL. Um, I'm not going to list off all the names. It's Cybernetico. Um, but, Stephen, do you want to list this one out for us? Um, sure. In a double sheet. Okay. So, yeah. And um, I have zero Spanish bones and zero Perfect. Spanish accents. So, just uh, I apologize in advance. Uh, so, on the Technico side, you know, uh, Ultimo Dragon, Atlantis, Negro Casas, El Dandy, Shocker, Mascara Magica, La Fiera, and Brazo de Oro. And then on the Rudo side, El Hilo del Sano, Felino, Black Warrior, Silver King, Dr. Wagner Jr., Satanico, Kevin Quinn, and Scorpio Jr. Where's the double cheat? The double cheat is the fact that I got, what, 10, 12 people in here? And it's over fucking an hour. That is a double cheat. That is lots of people, long time. Yeah. And it's a set, and it's um, because if you've never seen a cybernetica before, which shame on you, uh, the way it's structured is basically they pair off. So like you have one heel and one technico and they do a map. They do like a sequence for a couple minutes or whatever. And then they both tag out and then two new people come in. So it's like a bunch of tiny matches until the eliminations start up. So it's almost like a, like, I don't know, like 40 matches in one. Um, <laughs> for that's, that's one way to view it. That's for sure. <laughs> so you got a lot of variety. Uh, and I, I needed something Lucha. And uh, this one gets like all the cool Luchadors in it. Uh, and it, it's an all-time great match if you haven't seen it. Um it's uh, there's so many amazing spots. Uh, it has a uh, has a fun story with like like fucking Felino <laughs> of all people. Um, oh, yeah, getting like a big push <laughs> throughout this. Uh, you and uh, you have the the Santo Negro Casas feud going strong. You have Satanico being like pure evil. Um, there there's so much going on in this match. Yeah, Kevin uh, Quinn. Kevin Quinn, which is how 
why yeah like it's it's one of the most bizarre things and they're they're like if you need to keep your mind busy you can just contemplate why the fuck kevin quinn was in this match uh and that will keep you busy forever um so that's a positive when you're stuck on an island um but yeah it's just a much of amazing great workers doing an amazing great match for a long time uh and you know everyone loves elimination matches those are always positive um and even even ends with like a fucking podium with like the the one two three like the olympics where like bronze silver and gold uh with like uh the, the the three top rated people uh standing on that so that that's another fun moment at the end uh, but yeah this is a lot of wrestling for your buck here um what's your favorite pairing within the match oh man uh you got 40 matches to choose from steam come on <laughs> you don't get to cheat I, and then not say the one it's probably Santo uh, and Casas like that feud was so hot like fucking Santos the Rudo here uh, which is like people forget his great heel turn where he was like the biggest heel in the world. And that's so cool too. Uh, but yeah, like everyone was on fire, like fucking man, like even like shocker was throwing out insane topes and stuff. Like it was, uh, it is so good, but yeah. Um, yeah. Probably nothing beats shocker or sorry. Uh, nothing beats shocker. I get it. Nothing beats shocker and nothing beats uh, Cassis and Santo um, in their like, you know, probably the best feud in Lucha history. All right. No, I think I'm in agreement on that as well. Um, let's move on to your next match. It is from Shimmer Volume 12. Uh, I believe it's for the Shimmer World Championship. It is from June, it is. June 2nd, 2007. It is Sarah Del Rey versus Lacey Steven. Why did this match make the comp? Well, uh, uh, I'm going to put a plug out to Shimmer Herstory where me and Stacy have been going through Shimmer uh, from the beginning and going forward as far as we can go, uh, reviewing each show in order. And um, it's been such an enjoyable experience. So, um, you know, I kind of want, like, I didn't have to get a Shimmer match on there, but I, I really kind of wanted one uh, for those memories. And, one thing that blew my mind while going through Shimmer is that Lacey is like the greatest wrestler ever, but like with the shortest reign, like she has like three years and she did it all while she was like doing her graduate degree while she was just wrestling on the weekends just for fun, um, which is <laughs> wild to think about <laughs> that she like joined wrestling just like while she was putting herself through graduate school just for fun on the weekends. And then as soon as she graduated, she stopped wrestling. Um, but in that short period of time, uh, she basically was the smartest wrestler, like, since Nick Bockwinkle. She basically, like, oh. fought. It's, she's so good as a heel. She thinks wrestling at a level that, like, few do, which is kind of weird to say if you've only seen her Ring of Honor stuff. But you definitely see it in Shimmer. And, yeah, she's, like, a super athletic uh Nick, younger Nick Bockwinkle uh, in Shimmer. And like, it, it's been a total revelation watching her. And Sarah Del Rey is just like, you know, the female Finley Regal. Um, so this is the finals of the tournament to crown the very first ever uh, Shimmer champion. Uh, so that's a, another huge moment. Uh, 
And you have all this lead up where um, the referees, you know, keep accusing Lacey of cheating and like keep searching her for weapons. And she's like, lead, like throughout this whole tournament, she doesn't cheat. She's like, I'm going to fucking win this tournament <laughs> like as a wrestler. And she starts this match and she's trying to out wrestle Sarah Del Rey. And she can't. <laughs> so Damn. she starts cheating like a fucking mofo um so much that like at at the very finish like near the end um rain runs in and like like this is like the first run-in cheat in shimmer like in a big match in shimmer like shimmer doesn't really have cheating or outside interference and here you have rain coming in and like hitting a big move on sarah del rey while the referee is distracted and like lacy gets one of the most convincing near falls of all time. And like, what a fucking moment that would have been if, <laughs> if Lacey cheated to uh, win the shimmer title in a promotion that doesn't have cheating. Um, that would have been great. But uh, Sarah Del Rey uh, is able to get up and like hit a big pile driver. And this match is like, uh, I think it's like 25 minutes and it's like an absolute classic heel for his baby face. Um, and, especially the early on where Lacey's like doing all this technical wrestling to try to, to show that she's a better wrestler than Sarah Del Rey. And, you know, she's really great. And like, she has amazing like submissions and stuff, but like, she's, she's not a wrestler like Sarah Del Rey. So it, it plays beautifully into the story and she slowly cheats and cheats more and more uh, throughout until she finally gets, you know, after all of this, she gets her comeuppance and Sarah Del Rey wins uh, and one of the bigger pops in Shimmer history and, and just a great moment where uh, uh, Death Ray is the, the champion uh, and like, obviously the right call because she was like, the most over baby face in the company. Um, but yeah, just a great moment and just an absolute tremendous match. If you've ever seen it. And that match also is on YouTube. So I would suggest checking that out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. I actually watched it before the, before my, the end of my work day. Um, and it was worth it. Um, oh, you watched this one. I watched this one. I watched nice. this one. Um, I was like, let me see if this is on here. It was. I was like, oh, nope, this is good. This is enjoyable. I get why, for Steven, this this makes sense for this list. And how good is Lacey? Like, fuck. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to go as far as a young Nick Bockwinkle. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she's good. She's really good. Um, like, it is quite the performance. Um, and Sarah feeds off her extremely well as a monster. So, uh, as the monster baby face, essentially. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. Um, I like it for this list. Um, I have nothing else to add here other than I watched it the first time today and it was worth it. Go, everyone else go do it. It's free. It's easy. Mm -hmm. Done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I highly suggest it. And like, if you've only seen Lacey and Ring of Honor, like you're completely missing out. She was, she was tremendous. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go do it. Um, Listen to Shimmer Hershery. Um All right, next match. You're right. Yeah, sure. Let's okay. From NXT Takeover Brooklyn, it is Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Why did this match make the comp? Um it essentially changed like my wrestling fandom trajectory. <laughs> like going forward. Like um like 
there was a match a month or two before this where it was uh, Sasha versus Becky on NXT TakeOver. And I was like, hey, you know what? Like, the the women could, you know, they're, they're, they're not only awesome, but, like, they could main event the WWE one day. And um, obviously, I, I tried to voice that opinion back then, and everyone disagreed with me, uh, except for my uh, shimmer partner, Stacy, uh, long before we were partners. So uh, shout out to her for, for also agreeing with me when I was proven to be correct. Um, but, <laughs> but this match, man, uh, it went from, wow, the women are pretty good to like, I pretty much only watch women's wrestling after this point going forward. <laughs> like it was a slow build where the, the men got weeded out, but like, they're just, the women are just better. Um, and this was not only an absolutely astounding match with an absolutely crazy crowd, uh, but it's, it's one of those matches. I think when I originally put it on my list, like my uh, my database, I had it like I don't know, like four four and a half stars somewhere in there. And like every year, I think I add like a quarter of a star, and it, it moves up my list as like greatest matches ever. And now it's up to it's up to the full. Well, Six. I do a ten star rating. Um, so it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, and it, it just creeps up my my uh, greatest matches ever list. It, it's Sasha is like the greatest just villain, uh, like heel wrestling villain. And Bailey is the ultimate babyface. And these two go out there in front of a crowd that absolutely like bought into everything they did. And they just put on uh, a spectacle. Uh, and it just built the story of Bailey winning so much, uh, and it was so emotional, uh, and yeah, just absolutely perfect pro wrestling in my book. Uh, I love to hear how this changed your trajectory. Uh, I think I heard that already previously, but um, always good to have. It's fun going through this chronologically um, on this comp, and kind of be able to pinpoint okay how far into the fandom. Or are you for you like oh I'm gonna pivot now, um, and we still have two matches left after this, so deep into it, but definitely not the end of it. Slash, so um, this is the one. This is the thing that changes everything for you. Yeah, um, you know I'm not sure if it uh, <laughs> had anything to do with uh, not realizing uh, my gender identity or exploring that very much. Uh, maybe looking back, it might have an effect uh, being non-binary, um, but who knows? But uh, definitely it's pivoted and like, yeah, the, the, the pretty much the only promotion I watch very thoroughly is uh, Stardom. So um, you could probably thank this match for that. That's the one. Um, yes, great match. All-time great match. Cool to see it on here. Um, moving on. Um, it is from Stardom, June 14th, 2015. It's Mako Satomura versus Kari Hojo. Um, why did this match make your Desert Island comp? Have you seen this one? Um, I don't believe so, no. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, it's on Daily Motion. Um. Um, it's on, uh, if you go to like, if you look up recommended matches for Kari Hojo, um, Joshi city has a list and it has a link to it on there. Uh, this match, uh, 
I mentioned the the Miko uh, Hokuto match that I watched last year, and I've watched like five times since. Uh, this is the same thing, um, and I like this one. I don't know if it's better, but it's got Hojo in it, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, I think one of the top baby faces of all time, uh, Kari Hojo, especially in Stardom. And this match is. Um, slightly after Hojo won the title, but she like won it as like a super fluke. And she was like an undeserving cha- like babyface champion. And Miko Satomura is a fucking giant of Joshi, right? And she they they had one match on the uh Kenta Kabashi um like vanity show where like Miko destroyed her. Uh and so Miko's coming into stardom to challenge uh, to challenge Kari Hojo, who is like a super underdog. And um, I, I showed this to one person who described it as torture porn, where it's basically Miko Satomura just killing Hojo and Hojo desperately, desperately trying with all of her might to survive. <laughs> like she is fighting tooth and nail. Like you've never seen an underdog fight in a match. Um but like the whole time too, you know, when she does get some offense in, like few people throw as hard forearms as Kari Hojo. I, I know on her slight frame that seems weird, but like fuck, she can throw. Um, but this whole match is just her fighting to survive. Like anytime Miko grabs her, she's like desperately trying to get out of it in any way she possibly can. Uh, and this build mat, this match builds so so fucking well. Um, Miko's just kind of cocky and destroying her. Um, even like gives her a DVD on the fucking stage. Um, <laughs> at one point, um, you have a, uh, some just some of the best selling of all time by Hojo uh, to end this. And, it, and shockingly, it goes to a 30 minute draw where Hojo survives in the end, uh, leading to another match. Um, but man, if you haven't seen this match, this match is absolutely unbelievable, and you, you need to watch it. Yeah, I think you saying 30-minute draw does spark uh, a memory, but also means that I probably heard that and steered away. Um, Don't. I... It's so good. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Hojo, I don't think there's too many better babyface performances uh, in wrestling than, than what Hojo does in this match. Just, um, like, you know... You hear people talk about how you want struggle in wrestling. Like you want people to struggle when they're getting moves done to them or they're in moves. No one struggles. No one in history struggles like Hojo and that does in this match. It's it's crazy um, how how much of an underdog she is in here and how uh, how it's played up. But it's not like it's not like Brock Lesnar versus I don't know name some small dude it's uh hojo's surviving and she's surviving and getting some licks in and like slowly gaining the respect of miko throughout it um but miko still has her the entire match uh which because you know miko's a legend um but yeah this is this is this is unbelievable yeah everyone should watch it okay uh i'll put on the list of the many many matches i have to watch but let's <laughs> let's put it on there um all right i get it 
Uh, all right, next next one up is the and that was the match that kind of made you not put any other Michael match on here. So that's interesting. This, this was the uh, the one I, I picked over Miko Hokuto. Um, Miko Hokuto is a completely different situation, um, but uh, because I got Hokuto in in another way, um, I, I, I wanted to get Hojo in. But I would put these two at like the same like level of quality. Okay. Okay. Um, next up is your last angle. Uh, this is from <laughs> March, 2018 stardom. I'm going to actually let you break this one down if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I had to actually get help to find this because it's not like, um, this like super well-known angle or anything like that. Uh, but to, to me, it was like when I was, I've dipped in and out of stardom throughout the years, but this is a point where I was like really into it. And one of my favorite things about stardom is at the end of the show, um, you get these like promos where you set up the next show, right? Uh, like one person comes in they challenge another and they accept a match and they have a stare down or whatever. Uh, and, and stardom luckily uh, subtitles um, all their kind of stuff. So you can follow along. But this one always brings a smile to my face because it was coming up on Dream Slam, their biggest show ever. And um, Natsu uh, is in there. And uh, oh, man, there's a whole story. Uh, but basically, Tam Nakano was in Odotai and she lost um, a match where the loser had to leave the stable. And she joined up with Mayu uh, and Stars and... Um, she, she was uh, now a babyface at this point, um, but uh, Natsu was kind of this person who kind of took her spot. Uh, so Dream Slam was coming up, and Natsu's like, ah, oh, you don't have a match or a loser. Um, you know what? It, it's in my hometown. I'll, I'll fight you. You can have whatever stipulation you want. And, uh, you know, Tom, Tam gets on the mic, and she's like, you know, the loser has to leave the stable. And uh, Natsu's like, Pfft. Come on. And the tab's like, no, 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 wait, I got something better. And she just goes, I want an exploding death match. <laughs> and um, obviously not to loses her mind. <laughs> because it's like, because if you've ever seen Tam, she's like, you know, the cutest wrestler in the world. And her just going, I want a fucking exploding death match. is <laughs> just like absolutely hilarious. Uh, but from there, it even gets better because, uh, Natsu's like, no fucking way. We're not having a death match in stardom. Like, are you crazy? Um, and then uh, Kajusa, like the leader of Odatai, is like, yes, we're going to take the match, but we want it as a tag match. I want it in this. And um, yeah, I want this as a tag match. I, I want to pick your your partner too. But Tam's like, no, no, I want Mayu because she like loves Mayu and always wants to do Mayu. And Mayu's like, no, like, Tam, I have a world title match. That's Joe. I can't like do an exploding death match as well. <laughs> like you crazy. Like I want the world title. Um, and then Kajus is like, ha ha ha, loser. Even your friends don't want to be your partner. I'm gonna pick your partner. I want Io Shirai. Uh, and like Io Shirai comes out and is like, you fucking idiots. I don't want to do an exploding death match. <laughs> Which is another great moment. Um, but like Kajusa challenges there, you know, eventually leads to them having at Dream Slam an exploding barbed wire uh, baseball bat 
death match between Io Shirai and Tam versus Kajusa and Natsu, uh, which is a super fun match as well. But uh, just this whole spectacle, because I love the stardom post-match stuff, and uh, it's hard to pick one, but like it would be nice to have the feelings of that. And just the the absurdity of stardom and Tam going, let's, let's fucking, let's blow up the arena, right? <laughs> like, it just cracks me up every time I see it. So, yeah, I, I definitely check this one. This one's hilarious and fun. And also, like, a great moment, because, like, uh, it, it leads to, um, you know, kind of a coming out thing for Tam uh, in that match. Um, I cannot say I'm familiar with the post-match stardom angles or anything like that. Um, but you've, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> I love that angle so much. <laughs> so I'm going to take your word for it that it works the way you think it does, the way you say it does. Because um, there are so many moving pieces and so many names there. It's like, oh, goodness me. Um, um, there was a lot, like, there's a lot of moving pieces and stories going on. Um, Stardom's doesn't always have the, uh, it has a lot of depth and a lot of, like, history um, that gets built up over time. Um, so yeah, definitely playing off of a lot of that in this angle. Got it. Okay. Plus like fucking the cutest wrestler in the world going, I can have any match I want. I'm on exploding parkour death match. It's just, it's so, the juxtaposition. So, awesome. <laughs> so good. Um, and that brings us to your last match, your last segment, the last piece of your death on comp. It is from March 29th, 2019, from the Berwyn Eagles Club, from Rise's Legendary, it is Mercedes Martinez versus Kylie Ray. Steven, why did this make your Desert Island comp? In a no-ropes submission match, too, by the way. Um, that's, that's the angle they're going with here. So... Um, I was uh, pretty huge into Rise in 2019, and 2018, 2019, Mercedes Martinez, um, to me, became the best wrestler in the world, and I absolutely fell for her, and she rules. Um, like, she's she's an all-time great wrestler, uh, and this is around the time I uh, really realized that, and... Uh, this match was, you know, Mercedes had been built up as, like, the dominant Rise champion. She... She you knows she uh, carried Tessa Blanchard around for over an hour a couple times and had her have great matches uh, and, and just a dominant champion because Mercedes fucking rules. And uh, Kylie had been built up as like this super underdog. And um, so, so this is their biggest match on their biggest show, uh, you know, on pay-per-view. Uh, and, you know, they took down the fucking ropes <laughs> and they were, we're gonna have a submission match uh, like that and you know you have uh probably one of my favorite commentary teams uh of all time with allison k and beta scott uh just absolutely being amazing on commentary and oh man uh kylie is uh, i talked about hojo as a just a great underdog a, a great sympathetic underdog baby faces are like kind of my favorite wrestlers and uh kylie you know who doesn't fucking want to cheer for Kylie Ray uh, when she's wrestling? And she's super great here as, uh, as playing underneath. And Mercedes is one of the biggest badasses of all time. Um, and 
they use the the fact that there's no ropes uh, very well, uh, where uh, it's a lot more dangerous feeling, and uh, it's much easier to like slide out and ring. uh, Like Kylie's leg gets destroyed around uh, ringside and on the apron. Um, And there's also some like super great spots, uh, like where they they throw like a gazillion streamers for uh, Kylie Ray. At one point, Kylie Ray like hides under the streamers to try to get away from Mercedes, which is uh, great as Mercedes kills her. Um, and it's, it's super dramatic, builds super well, uh, and uh, Mercedes is so fucking good. And Kylie, uh, so many great hope spots in this one too. Uh, and yeah, it all builds up to um, the big... Uh, sympathetic baby face um, going over uh, to win the title on their biggest show over from the big bad heel. And that's as wrestling as wrestling gets. And then the tape cuts out before um, all the post match shenanigans happen that we won't talk about. <laughs> no, give it to me. You, we're here. Um, give me the well, post match shenanigans. Uh, Post-match shenanigans, uh, Kylie, or, uh, Zoe Lucas, who is awesome. I, I like her. Uh, she won a battle royal, uh, like a 30-woman like Royal Rumble uh, early in the show to get a title shot. So she comes out and like wins the title right away because Kylie Ray was leaving to AEW. And then out comes Brandi, Brandi Rhodes and uh, uh, Britt Baker and someone else. Uh, and it, they, they have a, an all-elite moment. Um uh, to kind of end the show, so we don't really need to see that part of it. <laughs> you don't need to see that part, yes. Uh, yeah. Would you take it if you had it, or no? Would you just uh, leave, just eh, take it or leave it? I can take or leave the uh, okay. the the, uh, the ending stuff, uh, but the match is so fucking great. It, it's an all time classic to me. Uh, it's another one that's free on YouTube. There, uh, Rise put it up on their channel, um, and uh, it's such a good match. And like my favorite type of wrestling, where it's you know. The sympathetic babyface who's overcoming insurmountable odds uh, in this time actually winning, which is uh, really good. Plus, how many fucking no ropes uh, submission matches you get to see, uh, especially with someone who's as awesome and cool as Mercedes Martinez, just as a like who is fucking scarier and more badass than Mercedes? Uh, and, and she uses every part of the ring as a, a weapon here is glorious. I will be seeing Marce- Mercedes Martinez in a, a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm jealous. She, if you can say hello to her, she is the nicest, sweetest person in the entire world too. That's good to know. That's good to know. She's wrestling Thunder Rosa. I'm sure it'll be the who. Oh, they, in 2019, they had like this awesome match. Um, uh, I don't even know what fucking promotion it was <laughs> from, from somewhere in Texas. Uh, that's out there. That's great. And I, and uh, Thunder Rosa has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm sure that match is going to roll so hard. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Um, that's it though. That's your whole, your, that's your, your comp. I, I think it's got a ton of variety. Um, different promotions, different styles, different gimmicks. Um, you kind of run the gambit here from 1989 to 2019. Uh, how are you feeling as you sit back, look at this, the list of matches, list of angles you put together here? How are you feeling? Um, I think this tells a pretty good story about my history of fa- fandom and wrestling. 
So I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, there's some missing pieces, um, but there's time constraints, so you can't get everything in. Uh, but I, I think this does a good job of uh, explaining explaining away my uh, like if I was to give you my history of a wrestling fan, um, I think this would be a good little comp to show people. This would be a good little addendum um, to that. Um, all right, well that that is it. Um, Stephen, do you have anything you would like to plug? Oh boy, yes, I would love to plug a lot of things. Um, first, uh, Shimmer Herstory, which is on the uh, Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. I know it's been a while. Um, we kind of record the way Shimmer uh, records shows, but we do have like four recorded, ready to go out. So at some point they'll start coming out again and then we'll be caught, caught up and we're going to have a special guest coming up soon. So that will be fun. So look forward to that. Uh, but the other big thing I want to uh, plug, of course, is uh, GWE. Um, there's, there's lots of ways to get involved in that. Um, uh, you have the pro wrestling only uh, message board for your kind of more in depth uh, long form thoughts and talking about particular candidates. Um, but there, there's lots of other ways. Uh, you know, you can do some stuff on Twitter. Uh, I'm finding the most fun way is the Discord, uh, which you can uh, you can find a link for on the uh, Project GWE Twitter account. And uh, there's a lot of fun discussions going on in there. But also, um, every Saturday at 12 Eastern, we are picking a different candidate and doing a two-hour curated uh, watch list uh, of, of that particular candidate and uh, having a fun chat while we watch it each week. Um, so that's been going on uh, since we launched, and that's been super fun. We have a, a good, fun, dedicated group of people each week uh, watching along. Um, when's this podcast coming out, Sam? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, well... Probably not in time to see Io Shirai tomorrow, um, but maybe if this is out in time, y yes, on... it'll be out next week. Oh, so you'll be in time to see uh, my list of watching two hours of the earthquake. And there you go. Yeah, so I, I generally, uh, unless I'm in a mood, I put out a poll and let people vote on who they want to see, uh, and um, people. Uh, nicely enough, I think, just to, I think, to humor me, uh, pick the earthquake. So I put together uh, a hell of a playlist for that. So you, you want to check that out. You can watch Earthquake along with me uh, and others uh, and uh, uh, discuss about how awesome it is. Uh, and then it's, it's Sammy Zayn the next week after that. And we haven't done the poll after that one. Uh, but that's a fun way every, uh, every uh, Saturday. Um, also, the big... Joshi shows, my chronological watch. Uh, we're doing the big Joshi shows as a watch along too. Um, we did Dream Rush um, a month or two back, and um, my good friend Cad actually was able to get the promos subtitled. So we watched Dream Rush all uh, subtitled. So that was super fun. Uh, Dream Slam's coming up within a couple weeks, and um, that is being worked on to be subtitled. So that will be a super fun watch if you want to watch Dream Slam and actually know how awesome Akira Hokuto is as a promo. Uh, you, can, you can watch that along with us, too. That will be coming up uh, some Sunday uh, to be announced. Uh, but it's all 
listed there. If you follow Project GWE on Twitter, you'll you'll hear the announcements. But just join the Discord. It's all there. And there's lots of fun conversations going on, usually at night, because I guess most people um, are online at night. But uh, it, it's uh, fun conversations. Uh, and then at some point, uh, there'll be like my random watch parties on like Thursday nights or whatever, whenever I have some stuff to watch. So look forward to that as well. Yes, go check out Discord, go to PWO, go use hashtag GWE on GWE26 on Twitter. Um, also, you can follow everything we don't know Wrestling Podcast Network related at WDK uh, and WK, WTKWPN wow. on Twitter. Um, <laughs> That's so that many will, letters. That will pump out all of the uh, podcasts there. Uh, Tim and Quentin put a all-out review the previous week. Um, Quentin just put out a solo podcast on Bay's title victory um, and um, thoughts around that in the broader context uh, in WWE. Um, and there's just going to be some more stuff coming out. The last episode of uh, WSX, uh, we don't know we don't know Wrestling Society X will be coming out. Um, so more to come there. Uh, exciting stuff. I'm ready for it. Um, but we did watch the uh, the six uh, Vampiro match from WSX when we did the uh, one two three kid watch party, and that was ridiculous amount of fun. Oh heck yeah. <laughs> um that's a hoop that's a hoop it was yes um well Stephen, thank you for being on and everyone thank you for listening